morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day to all of my listeners to show some respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking. Are you feeling respectful? I hope so. Coming at you live and fluey from my humble Sydney abode. I am not well. The kind of I, you know when you're like you you you're so unwell. You you kind of hope it's coping because at least then you could drag out the time. You could you could really justify it. I kind whenever somebody is sick now and it turns out it's not COVID. You definitely take a little less seriously. You think, well, if it's not part of the pandemic, how bad could it possibly be? No, I'm the level of sick. I don't even have to. This, this is this is the voice. I'm not even putting this on. This isn't a Zoom call with my work. I don't have to just just hold my nose back a little bit to make it sound like I'm sick enough to justify the two days off that I took this week. That's right, no work on Monday or Tuesday this week. What a treat, four-day weekend. And uh, so I thought I'd really just relax, recover, sit down and just just chill out and watch some TV and engage in one of the six television streaming services that I I make use of. I say make use of, the the correct term is pay for, that I pay for and, uh, and, and use maybe two at a time. Maybe. And the combination of endless choice and boundless time, never, never a good place to be. I, I basically sat down and watched the first five minutes of everything I'd even slightly considered of ever watching, played half a game of FIFA, and then just scrolled on my phone. There's just, there's no way, there's no way to, de- to determine what's worth watching. Yet, you start, you get up to the credits of something and you go, I reckon I could do better. This hasn't gripped me in the first 30 seconds. It's, this, it's not, not a good sign. Why would I want to watch The Mandalorian? I've never given a shit about Star Wars. Why would this particular incarnation of the story from a galaxy far, far away make me any more enticed to understand what the fuck a midichlorian is. I have, I have no, I've never had any interest in that. Even, even the, 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 they're amongst the biggest movies of all time. They did nothing for me. Why would this Disney plus series suddenly change any of that? Ridiculous. I try to watch movies because I've never been a big movie guy. I'm trying to get into it more. I'm trying to go to the movies more. And I watched The Godfather last week in one day. That I was even impressed by myself. A three-hour movie from the 70s and I could watch that in one day? Of course I needed to take a break in the middle. I couldn't possibly. I couldn't possibly pay attention for more than 90 minutes for anything at any time. I'm not superhuman. I was I was born in the 90s. There's no way I have that level of discipline or attention span. None of us have that. We gave that we we handed that over to Steve Jobs a long time ago. And Steve Jobs turned our phones into TV screens. We went, look, just if you could find a way to compress content in in less than 90 seconds, uh, that's probably all I'll need from here on out. It's, it's also, I think, this is, this is why my theory about foreign films and foreign movies, Parasite and all that, foreign films and foreign movies, foreign TV shows, those 
Scandinavian murder mysteries. The reason that they're taking off is because they force you to pay attention because you've you got to read the subtitles. You can't be checking your phone at the same time because you might as well just not watch. And that's why I... Uh, that's why I could, I could handle The Godfather because I don't speak any Italian and, you know, had to, had to take some time, had to, had to really sit down and watch the screen and I thought, well, now I'm a movie guy. I've watched The Godfather and vaguely enjoyed it. I mean, not as much as I would enjoy, you know, a modern movie, but still, I, I, I didn't hate it because uh, I'm cultured apparently. That's what I learned from that experience about the Corleones and I thought I'd, I'd, keep, I'd, tr- I'd keep trucking on with the classic movies, and uh, started watching uh, Wes Anderson film, made it through 15 minutes, went back to The Mandalorian, still not interested. Tough going. Real tough going to pay attention to anything these days. The only thing that has captured my attention, which I, uh, which I, I, did re- I am really enjoying, I'm only about halfway through, is The Staircase. And for those unaware, The Staircase is the drama series about the documentary about the murder based off another murder that happened 20 years ago. What a time to to commit homicide, knowing that you could spurn literally 30 hours of content. One one death, one death and, and hours of entertainment. Two deaths, technically two deaths. Who knows if they're linked or not. I mean... So, for those unaware, The Staircase uh, currently is a, a TV show. I don't know if it's an HBO thing or it's just on. It's on binge. Colin Firth plays this uh, American man who uh, calls number one when his wife uh, falls down the stairs and breaks her skull open, and she dies, and he ends up being tried with her murder. And then it turns out, spoilers, big spoilers, that thirty years ago. The or maybe like twenty years earlier, he found a different woman dead at the bottom of the stairs, and after that, they still insisted on going through with the trial for some reason. Which seems unnecessary. I think we're all on the same page. Uh, this guy, this guy, either killed both those women or is so unlucky he's better off being in prison. He's probably just going to be safer there. Where we can only, it's kind of like, it's like if Final Destination, if the Final Destination. Uh, was being accused of domesticide. Every every path he takes is going to end with more dead women just scattered around him, and he doesn't. He's there's nothing he can do about it. That's just the the cards he he's been dealt for the rest of his life. He's just going to keep finding women bleeding out at the bottom of staircases for the rest of his life. That's his curse. Um, I mean, really, if he did, if he did, well. If he really did kill both those women, I mean, is it more or less bold to use the same methodology? Because he managed to convince all these people in Germany, this woman, the, the, the first woman he killed was in Germany, and he told everyone that she had a brain aneurysm, and everyone went, yep, yeah, sure, that sounds about right. Brain aneurysms, of course, very obvious to a third party. No need to delve into the biology whatsoever, and they didn't. They didn't, from as far as I can tell, didn't do a biopsy. They were just like, all right, well, uh, this guy seems to think it was a brain aneurysm and he's a novelist, so I reckon he'd know. Let's just leave it there. And uh, 
Then when his next wife goes the same way, he didn't go the brain aneurysm. Uh, he didn't go the brain aneurysm route on this one for some reason. I don't know. Maybe he should have. Um, is it is that is it a smarter move to use the same to use the exact same means? Stick to what you know. Stick to your strengths. It's only worked so far. This is you know when you when you when you're murdering your life partner. This is no time for experimentation. You need to, you need to go with what feels comfortable and what feels natural for you. You've, you've got demonstrable success in the past from blaming the stairs. Why should this be any different? Now, unfortunately, what Michael did not take into account is cultural differences. We're in Germany. If you fall down a set of stairs in Germany, the German way is to go, well, sounds like you deserved it. You should have been a bit more careful. In America, like, ah. Uh, so you're trying to say this is her fault? Not in my country, all right? This isn't going to make a very good documentary if we take your word for it. And a documentary made by the French. What a multicultural story. A murder in Germany, a murder in America, and a documentary made by the French. Very 21st century. I would highly recommend the movie. I'm probably going to watch the documentary afterwards. Although it does, it does make me question my life decisions where am I really going to dedicate literally 20 hours of my life, 20 hours of my life to consuming content about one murder when there are so many other murders that I could be taking in. Am I pigeonholing myself? How many other wives have died at the hands of their husbands or other people? That's the whole point of the true crime story. Where you, uh, you, <laughs> the key to true crime is if you can come up with a theory that can convince your audience that it wasn't the husband that killed her for forty-five minutes. If if you can somehow convince an audience. For three quarters, even half an hour, uh, that it might not have been the husband, despite all evidence in this case and every other case of spousal homicide in history has proven it to be the husband. It always is. But if, if you can just have a glimmer of going, well, maybe, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was an accident after all. Oh, wait, no, 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 it's the husband. Yeah, back with you. Back with, it's, with, it's, it's the husband. And I have a feeling, without knowing too much about this documentary or this, this TV show, that this one ends the way that all terrible true crime ends, with the writers throwing up their hands and going, well, I don't know. Looks like he did it, but uh, fucked if I know, really. Let's, you, why don't you decide? Why don't, why don't you know? Why don't you guys choose for yourself? Because that always ends well. Letting an uneducated audience decide on the guilt of a... As, as I'm doing right now. As, as I'm doing right now. Just throwing this guy under the bus based on half of a TV series that I've watched. I think what this whole thing goes to show is the, uh, the true crime craze is going nowhere. The true crime craze is only on the up. If the staircase can do it, if the staircase, hopefully we're going to see more and more of this. We're going to see more and more TV dramas based on documentaries, based on murders. I would like to see this come full circle. I want to see a murder 
turned into a documentary, turned into a TV series, which inspires a copycat murderer who kills his wife, which they make a documentary about, and then they turn, they dramatize that, and that inspires another murder, and, and, and we just go through the circle forever and ever. Netflix is spending all this money greenlighting t- stand-up comedy specials. Which I I do have a you know as a, as a comedian myself I have I have a special place for, but what I think Netflix should be investing their money is in development deals with uh, homicidal maniacs because people are being murdered every single day, and what we've seen is they could be so much more entertaining. You know, it's it's a shame that it took a murder that happened almost twenty one years ago that's already had its share fair, its fair share of attention. Why should it get all the limelight? Why can't we why can't we encourage some of these younger up and coming murderers to, to get a little bit more engaging in the way they do their business? Why can't we I, I it's just a shame that all the money and all the attention is going to these old world past life murderers murderers who are really out of touch with the common audiences and these young new murderers are are, are not getting anywhere near the fame and fortune that they they are due and i just think they need a helping hand if netflix if ted sarandos could could take the time to sit down with some of these uh young um you know accused or real-life, you know, homicide committers. I'm trying to think more synonyms for murderers. There aren't enough. If only Ted Sarandos could sit down and go, look, how could we spice this up a little bit? How could we add an edge edge to it, a mystery? Um, And I think people would get on board with that if the content was good enough. As long as they don't kill any trans people or people of colour, Assuming that we can learn from the from from what's happened with Netflix comedy specials and the biggest backlash that they've received, Ricky Gervais, Dave Chappelle, as long as they leave the trans community out of this, I think I think we're good to go. I've been I've been paying attention to that Ricky Gervais. I think I talked about it last week, but it is it's just big on my radar. The Ricky Gervais transgender thing, a uh, bunch of jokes in his last comedy special called Supernatural. It was all about um, it wasn't all about, but there was a bunch of jokes about trans women in it and he kind of already did that in the special before that and um a lot of people got very very upset about it and uh, and very vocally uh had attacked ricky gervais for making jokes about transgender women and in attacking them in attacking him very vocally on a uh, public social media ensured that millions more people would in fact watch the special uh and by doing that ensured that netflix would in fact give him millions of dollars again to do it all over one more time. Let's run it back. And uh, the one thing that I, I have read in a few articles that I think is quite interesting, it's quite funny, is a lot of people saying the worst part is that it's not funny. It's not, yeah, you can joke about whatever you want, but jokes need to be funny. They weren't funny. They just weren't good jokes. And I don't disagree. I don't think his trans jokes were particularly good. I feel like he already did this joke. And the joke is the kind of like, if, if they can identify as a woman, why can't I identify as a, as a pram? That was the joke he did. Uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. His, his was punchier. But it's, again, 
It's hard to say it's not funny because if you watch the video, there are very clearly about 6,000 people who have bought tickets to see this laughing a lot. So, obviously some people think it's funny, but I will agree, it's not a great joke. It's kind of been done, it's not particularly original or interesting. But what if, what if Ricky Gervais, or Dave Chappelle for that matter, wrote the greatest trans joke of all time? that was every bit as offensive and edgy and attacking as the stuff they were doing otherwise, but had an undeniable, critical acclaim-worthy joke-writing structure, would that be good enough? Would that have enough of the left-leaning journalists of the world going, it was offensive, but fuck, it was, pr- it was pretty undeniable what he did there. Genre-defining in many ways. Problematic, but masterful. Problematic, but masterful is a pretty... Uh, that's Dave Chappelle's next special. If I, was, if I was much better at stand-up comedy, problematic yet masterful would be up there in my list of potential names for my next special. Ugh. What else has been happening with me? Uh, I, I got someone, uh, someone left a, a negative comment uh, to me on Instagram today and it's ruined my day because uh, as problematic yet masterful as, as, as much as that title appeals to me in that I like the idea of being edgy and I also think very highly of myself. Uh, I also have uh, paper thin skin and whenever anyone says something even slightly uh, hurtful to me, it cuts me to my very core. That is... This is what I want to do on stage is not in alignment with the way that I feel, which is very, very fragile. And if I get very good at this, or not even good, if I get very popular, uh, I'm going to get a lot of this. I'm going to have a lot of people telling me how bad I am. And everyone will hurt a little bit more than the last. Because as far as I can tell, it'll only take about three people to tell me that I suck for me to really start internalizing and believing that. Um, for the amount that I I love, I don't I don't love engaging in it in a practical sense. Like I, I don't I've never been a YouTube. Well, I used to be a big Facebook arguments guy. That was definitely a big thing in my life when I was sixteen. But I'm now I don't leave shitty comments on YouTube. But I do like to read them, and I do like to watch YouTube videos of people just being hurtful to one another and and talking shit about other. Celebrities, famous people, uh, content creators, entertainers. But as soon as the targets are on me, oh, please leave me alone. Please be nice. I can I can dish it out, but I can't take it. This guy has had a go at one of my... It's one of my most popular videos on Instagram. The one that's probably gotten me more views than anything else. A joke that I, I still quite like. It's the one about white sprinters. Uh, and this guy has just said like two things about about so It's not a very good joke and it's not true. And rattled me to my core. Just all, almost on the phone to my friends. Please tell me I'm good. Remember that joke that I did? Remember the joke? It was good, wasn't it? Because this random guy on Instagram who has 105 followers and no pictures of himself told me that it sucks. Now I don't know what to believe. I need to be better than this. I need to have more... I need to have more... This it, 
not just in comedy, in all areas of my life. I need to have more just self-belief to the point that I just can't have everything that I know called into question by some comment of a guy I've never met and hope I never will. What else can I tell you about? I'm thinking about... Uh, thinking, thinking about... Hmm. Yeah, well, we can do this. Uh, I don't know if this is interesting to anyone. I saw that Top. I saw Top Gun. Saw the new Top Gun film. Did you guys see that? What do you think about it? What do you think? I've had multiple people, not huge amounts, but more than one, talk to me about it as if it's The Godfather, my favorite film, the greatest film of all time that I almost watched in one sitting. Some people will go on about Top Gun Two, Maverick, as if. It was a, a real masterpiece. And how anyone could have watched that film and taken anything away other than good blows my mind. The guy, the guy in my gym who was, I think it was because he was in the Navy and it brought it back to his own feelings of uh, very lightly veiled homoeroticism that we can cover up if we just have one, maybe two women in every other scene, we can ignore just how gay the rest of this is. I think that was... He, he, he saw it on Saturday and then went back to see it again on Monday and went on about it. He, he said that in his cinema, they gave it a standing ovation. What was... Was there some kind of, like, special needs discount on it, this, this viewing of Top Gun? Because for anyone to think, first of all, to give a standing ovation at something pre-recorded where Tom Cruise was not in the room. This wasn't the Hollywood premiere. This was event cinemas on a Saturday lunchtime. Why you would applaud, let alone stand and applaud, for a pre-recorded film where nobody who had any role in making it whatsoever is within a hundred... 100 kilometers? Not even close, Tom. We're in Sydney. 4,000 kilometers of this room. Right away, you know, that's when, if, you, if, I, if I'm in a film and it gets a standing ovation, not only does that not tell me anything about the film, it only tells me disparaging things about the people who were there seeing it. What? Who is this for? Now, am I somebody who yells, claps, and uh, applauds. You need three words, even if two of the words aren't the same. Yells, claps, or applauds at the TV when there's sports on. Do I mutter under my breath, great play, boys, or come on, boys, come on. Boys, D up. Get you. We, got, we, got to, we got to shut this down. Shut this down, boys. Get up, get up. Good work, good work. Do I do that to sports? Of course I do. I'm a, I'm a red-blooded man with... Born in the 1990s, but with, a, with a, a, a take on masculinity straight out of the 70s. Sports is the one place where emotions have a, have a role to play in, in, my, in my eyes. But to do it at a movie, in the arts, absolutely not. I don't understand what you think you're achieving there. And then I had another friend who called it the best movie he's seen in 30 years. I have this friend who is so obsessed with the Top Gun series... I don't, I don't, I don't, it's fine. It's fine. 
Planes are kind of cool. Tom Cruise looks good for his age. We still had to put up with that shitty late 80s guitar-based glam rock. Ugh. I do, I, I love the shamelessness with which they went, look, we're just going to, we're just going to remake. We're just gonna, we'll, It's pure fan service. We'll have the motorbike scene. We'll play the same music. Uh, we'll, we'll have the really homoerotic sports scene. We'll, we'll swap out a volleyball for a football just to make it seem a little straighter. But other than that, we're, we're running it back. We'll, we'll, we'll do more or less the exact same thing. I also love how the villains making uranium in the film were clearly Russia, but they never felt the need to say it. They just left that out entirely. Let's not start. Let's not poke the bear. Uh, we've we've seen we've seen what happens. Let's let's see how this Ukraine situation plays out. If it goes the way we all hope it's going to go, maybe in the director's cut we can put in a few more Putin references. But for now, let's keep things neutral. <clears throat> This is the most I've thought about that film since I saw it. That's what I think about it. I saw it a week ago. I didn't, th- I, I didn't even register. Nothing about my life changed. Sometimes you go to a movie and, it's really, and you walk away from it and you have some thoughts. Maybe you read what some people have to say about it. Maybe you discuss it with some friends. I walked into that movie, walked out of that movie. Life was the same. It was, it was like... It was like it was like a two hour. It was like a bit of a bit of a nap, where you wake up and the, the time it's just barely. It might as well have been on another planet. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I'm just saying, come on. Let's, let's, not, let's not look at this as any more than it is. It's it's the only action movie we've had access to that isn't a Marvel film, and that's fine. But hey, go see it if you feel like it. Who am I to tell you what to do? Now, I'm going to continue this thing that I started last week. Why is my internet working? I'm trying to. I, I was trying to play. I want to play some theme music. One of my things my partner said is like it's just kind of you just rambling for thirty minutes on this podcast, but you don't have any. You don't have any music. You don't have any sound effects. You don't really kind of do anything. You don't have any segments, and I'm trying to rectify that. But my laptop just won't let it happen. My laptop's trying to say, no, Tom, no more effort. You don't put any more effort in this than you absolutely have to. And Look, who am I? Who am I? I'm not too good to listen. <clears throat> All right, it's not going to happen. Um, I, want, I, want to, I want to keep talking about stand-up stuff. So I, I, think, I think I do. I, I, I'm, I'm going to try and include this every week. It's a good way for me to keep thinking about it and to keep, and I think to, to talk out loud and to think out loud. I had a guy I used to work with, he used to say that all the time. Just, uh, I'm just talking out loud here. Yeah, that's how talking works, man. He used to say that all, I, I'm, just talk, I'm just talking out loud here every time. And every time he said it, I'm like, well, I can't correct him now. I missed it last time. I missed it the time before that. It's been, I've known you for two and a half years now. You've said this pretty much every other day. And I, and I don't have the heart to tell you. The phrase is thinking out loud because you don't think out loud inherently. But we all talk out loud. It's one of the only ways to do it. <sighs> no, I missed that chance. Oh, I see what I've done. I've unplugged the modem. That's why the internet isn't working. 
Mm. Um, so, stand-up stuff. I was meant to do two gigs last night. I did not. I did one gig. My sickness got in the way of the other one, in, in, in as many words. The gig was overbooked, and the, the guy was like, look, if anyone doesn't want to do this, we can get on next week. And I thought, all right, I have no gigs booked in next week. I'll push. I'll push next week. Um, but the exciting thing is, and I don't think I talked about this last week, I am now Sydney's newest addition to the very, very exclusive group of Australian suit comics. That's right. Comedians who wear a suit on stage. And it's very exclusive because it's only a very small subset of Australian-based comedians who can afford a suit. It's, it's, it's tough out there. The, the, the comedians that I know that own suits uh, either wear them to work already and therefore really do comedy once every couple of weeks as something to, to, to pretend that their full-time job isn't what they're going to do for the rest of their lives or had to get a suit for, to, to wear to court. Um, and so it just brings back bad memories. It's very hard to be funny while wearing the same clothes you had to wear while facing a, a conviction for, for possessing huge amounts of drugs. Amounts of drugs that is beyond any, anybody's conception that could be for personal use. There's no way. No, I'm going to start wearing... I'm wearing a suit on stage. I started yesterday. I did it for the first time. And uh, i, I got to say, I fucking freaked myself out about this for like a week before I decided to actually do it. it I, we've been through this on this podcast before. If, you, if you've listened before, you will know. Change. Not my strong suit. Standing out. Not something that I like to do. All right. I've learned my whole life. Fit in. Head down. As soon as anyone else stands out and there's anything negative you can say about it, you jump on that before anyone starts questioning things about you. You, 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 you just get it off you. Get it off you at all times. Push on to anyone else that's around you. But in stand-up comedy, you gotta, you got to stand out. There are so many of us doing the exact same thing. It's so depressing. Sometimes you sit and you watch a stand-up comedy show and you think, fuck, we're all, we're all the same. We're literally all of us talking about the same shit in the same way. Everyone's enjoying everything just the, just the same. And i got to tell you, as someone who has no other qualities outside of my act that are the least bit commercially viable in this given moment, 20 years ago would have been great to be a straight white man in this industry. Right now, they've got enough. I'm not saying, I'm not bitching about this. I'm just saying there's more than enough of us. It's, they're like, well, we could, we could, we could get Tom for this project or, uh, you know, Rove McManus is already here and people know who this fucking guy is. So are we all in agreement? We can probably just do Rove. All right, cool. We're on the hunt for two more female comedians. We can't find them. So a suit is something. A suit is something that we're at least when I'm on stage, I will look vaguely different. Um, questions that I have: Can I still tell my old jokes in the suit? Well, if I t- if I 
my opening joke at the moment is about living in a share house. Does that work if I'm in a suit? I have no idea. We'll, we'll have to wait and see about these things. Um, other questions that I have, and this was what I was building up to before. I'm going in wearing a suit and I'm panicking, thinking people are going to start giving me shit for it because if I was in their situation, that would be my instinct. Oh, what, he's, he's, he's doing something different? This guy thinks he's fucking better than us? And here's the thing, I do. But they can't know that. But then I rock up wearing the suit. And, and what is everybody's first question to me? Oh, did you come from work? Fuck. No, this is not. Because that's the opposite of what I want. What I want is for people to think like, oh, he's dressed up for his performance. Not the opposite, which is, oh, he hasn't had time to get dressed for his performance. Now, I think this can be solved with a skinny tie. That's my, that's my plan. Yesterday, I did it, what it looked like was I'd taken a tie off. I'd left the office, taken the tie off, and that, that was my transition from work mode to comedy mode. I'm thinking, at the very least, if they can think, well, he's taken a tie off and then put a skinny tie on. No one wears a skinny tie to their, their accounting job. Now he's ready to entertain. He's gone from Frank the Accountant to Frank Sinatra through nothing but a, a $20 two-pack of ties from H&M, which is where I'm off to next. I'm excited about the suit. I think the suit, I'm, I'm trying to, my, the, everything that I'm working on at the moment in my next sort of incarnation of, of my next hour show that I'm starting fresh, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to lean into the persona thing. I'm trying to lean into the guy on stage being something different. I said to a friend the other day, like a, a comedian, and this has always been comedians that I like don't make sense off stage. If if you met Mitch Hedberg in real life and you spoke to him, and he sounded like the guy on stage, you'd be like, "This doesn't make any sense. Who's this dude?" That's what I'm going for. I'm, same as Anthony Jeselnik, same as Norm Macdonald or Stephen Wright. These guys that I've always found interesting are the ones that. There's so many people in comedy right now who are just up there telling you about funny things that happened at a barbecue or funny things their wife said to them. I just, I just do not give a shit. And, I, and other people do, and that's fine. But I think to be interesting, it needs to feel otherworldly. It needs to feel fictional in some interesting way. It needs to feel like a character because we already see... We already see so much of everyday guys and girls. Like, that's what TikTok is. There are lots of very, like, funny people making videos on TikTok just being themselves. To me, if you can create a character that is larger than life, that is a more interesting place to be. Am I being way too earnest here? Earnest, I don't know if you guys have uh, listened to anything I've ever said on this podcast, but earnestness is not one of my strong suits. It feels very confronting to do. So that's the thing. Suit comedian. I was going to play one of my clips, but I've done almost no sets, and I haven't. And I did one last night, <coughs> and I didn't record it because I did not see it going well. There are moments you 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 like to think you record every set, no matter what. I mean, I haven't listened back to a set apart from that little clip that I played on here last week. I just, it's too painful. It's too cringy. I hate it. I need to start. So many comedians talk about, like professional comedians talk about the importance of listening back to sets. I hate it. I hate it so much, but I will. I will do it. Um, but I didn't record my set last night because sometimes you just, you look at a crowd and you see there are, <laughs> last night at this gig, 
there were 10 people there. Uh, none of them knew comedy was happening when they entered the venue that night. Usually you would have to pay for tickets, but this was their lucky day. And when I say their lucky day, I mean our lucky day because no one had bought tickets, no one was showing up, and these guys gracefully agreed not to leave at least until the halfway break. So, and of those 10, I then found out two of them was uh, a comedian and her boyfriend. And I don't think they're buying tickets to my show. I don't think they're listening to this podcast right now. I don't think they're going to be my way to the top. Not like you guys. That's you. I'm talking to you. My girlfriend's dad and my mum and the three open micers who routinely let me know they listen to this podcast. You guys, that's 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 my ticket to the big time. I'm sure of it. Well, 37, 38 minutes. This, is, this has been fun. It always is. Thursday's my favorite day of the week. It's a day that I can pretend that this is more than a hobby um, uh, until I, I then say it out loud and realize, uh, nope. But... Pleasure to be here as always. Pleasure to have you on board, guys. Keep keep listening to the podcast. Keep letting me know when you're liking it. When you when you're not liking it, keep it to yourself. But when you're enjoying it, I do appreciate the feedback. Big shout out to James Dunlop. Uh, if he if he made it this far into the podcast yet again, we'll see. But uh, I'm just going to keep shouting him out. At least I can do. He made the music. Look. Until next time. Have a fantastic week. We'll chat again soon. See you.